from uh, about 15 years on up, uh, a great deal of my thoughts were uh, basically unshareable. We are all evil in some form or another. Yes, I am not 100%, but I am evil. My mother was a, a sick, angry, hungry, and very sad woman. I hated her, but I wanted to love my mother. This is Serial Killing, a podcast. Hello and welcome to Serial Killing, a podcast, where we also veer off the serial killer path to delve into other topics within our beloved true crime community. Special thanks to some of my patrons, of course. Katarina, Robert, Florence, Teresa, Sarah, Sophie, Nanette, two Emmas, Emily, Wannabe Sleuth, Gabrielle, Galen, Cassandra, Bree, David, Judy, and John. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate you. This podcast is going to be on Patrick Frazee and the murder of Kelsey Barrett. Patrick Michael Frazee was born on November 1st, 1988 in Colorado Springs, Colorado. So let's get into some history for that time. After eight years and 1.5 million people dead, the Iran-Iraq war finally ended in, in 1988, and yet Iraq carried out a poison gas attack on the Kurds. The Soviet Red Army withdrew from Afghanistan this year. In Scotland, a suspected Libyan terrorist detonated a bomb on a Pan Am jet over Lockerbie, killing all 259 people on the plane and a further 11 on the ground. And then an earthquake in Armenia killed over 60,000 people. But on a positive note, in the UK, laws that restricted opening times for pubs were changed. This allowed pubs to stay open all day. The Summer Olympics were held in Seoul, South Korea, and the Winter Olympics were held in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. The U.S. Space Shuttle Program finally resumed 2.5 years after the Challenger disaster. Stephen Hawking published A Brief History of Time in 1988. The first major computer virus infected computers connected to the internet even in its infancy days. Using carbon dating, it was finally established that the Turin Shroud could not actually be the burial cloth of Jesus. The antidepressant Prozac was introduced and quickly became the market leader for treating depression. Popular movies from 88 include Rain Man, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Big, Die Hard, Beetlejuice, and Friday the 13th, Part 7. Popular musicians of the time were Kylie Minogue, U2, Michael Jackson, George Michael, Chicago, and Guns N' Roses. Other popular people born in 1988 include Rihanna, Adele, Nikki Reed, Emma Stone, Vanessa Hudgens, and Zoe Kravitz. So this was the atmosphere that Patrick was born into. His parents were Robert Frazee and Sheila Ryan. So Patrick's father, Robert, was born in Gardner, Kansas, which is southwest of Kansas City, Kansas. 
He had gone to college at Wichita University, then joined the Air Force and was stationed at Int Air Force Base near Colorado Springs. Sheila, Patrick's mother, was born in 1955, graduated in 1972 from Coronado High School in Colorado Springs, and went on to study nursing at Bethel Nursing School. Their engagement announcement was put in the local paper, stating Sheila was from Bear Creek Canyon and that Robert's family had been from Wichita, Kansas. Patrick is also one of three siblings. He has a sister, Aaron, and a brother, Sean. Now, the family lived on a large 35-acre ranch in Florissant, Colorado, which at that point had a population of about 104 people, to give you an idea of just how small his hometown was. But for as small as it was, it did have a coffee shop, a hardware and a grocery store, a liquor store, as well as a bar. It isn't believed that the family was extremely social with the people of their community, rather being content at home and working on their own property. Now on the ranch, Patrick worked hard and learned to be a farrier or someone who can work on various types of animal hooves, shoeing horses and donkeys and so on. He also worked the cattle on the ranch, went to and participated in rodeos, which was a passion of his, and he did some blacksmithing as well. As a lot of ranchers do, Patrick kept and trained cattle dogs to help in herding them around, and he seemed quite talented at training the dogs. There are videos that he recorded of himself training his dogs on YouTube. And there really isn't much of any information about his early childhood, his younger years, which leaves us to assume that it was standard, average. There was no mention of abuse or neglect. I'm sure much was expected of all three children to help maintain the ranch, but when you live on a farm, that's just how it goes. High school peers described him as a basic, nice guy, at least the ones who remembered him. Those that did said he hung out with other kids from a more rural part of the county. Patrick participated in 4-H and was just the typical unassuming teen, though he was described as quiet and he kept to himself. He grew into a very tall and kind of handsome man, reaching six foot three inches or nearly two meters tall. But Patrick loved his quiet existence, his labor-intensive life. So it sounds like Patrick was just a hardworking, well-respected country boy who graduated from Woodland Park High School in 2004. And that's all I have for his childhood and early life. This is a long and detail-oriented story, so suffice to say that I see nothing in his childhood, what little I could find, of course, that would indicate that he had any major traumas or injuries. I saw no indication that he was abused or neglected in any way. He was quiet and unassuming, as described by some classmates, but Other than being possibly introverted, there's not anything that would indicate his future actions. So in 2006, Patrick met a young lady named Crystal at a dance while she was working at Lake George, Colorado. Crystal said that she felt an instant connection. She said, quote, He was tall and handsome, and we danced, and it seemed from the conversation we had he was pretty admirable and had his act together, and he seemed like a pretty good dude, end quote. 
They dated until 2007 before going their own ways, but they kept in touch from time to time, and he even gifted her a Border Collie puppy, though he demanded payment from her for it months later. Now, at this point, Crystal was living in Idaho. Patrick allegedly told her that if she didn't pay for the dog, he was going to come there and end its life. They didn't speak after that for a bit of time, and she did move on. She went to nursing school, and she got engaged to another man. But they started talking again, and when Patrick learned of her engagement, Crystal stated Patrick left her a voicemail begging her not to get married. He told her, quote, If you decide to go through with it, I hope he treats you like a princess because you deserve it. End quote. She said she didn't return his call, but that she felt conflicted because she knew she still had feelings for him. Now, during this time, Patrick worked with another man named Clinton Klein, who is the president of the Cripple Creek Organization that protects wild animals. He and Patrick, together, took care of a protected herd of wild donkeys in the small town of Cripple Creek. Klein stated, quote, he's very conscientious about his work. End quote. Klein went on to talk about how they, about twice a year, would go round up these donkeys that roam free in the historic former gold mining camps near the base of Pikes Peak and trim and take care of their hooves. Sonia Oliver is another person who hired Patrick and trusted him with the care of her horses. She stated in an interview with People that she had been working with him for five years and had trusted him with the care of her animals. Yet another woman who said that she had known him for about 20 years said, quote, He's always been so kind and helpful, end quote. But there was a woman who was later interviewed that stated that she had known Patrick since he was 16 years old, and she refused to let him work with her horses because of how he handled them, which was quite rough. She said, quote, he worked on my horses for a real short time till he punched one in the gut with a rasp, and that was about the last time I let him work on my horses, end quote. And believe it or not, this woman would not be the only person to say that he mistreated animals. Another local left a comment on a Facebook post that I saw stating, quote, Have you seen him when he is pissed? Have you seen him in Cripple Creek Rodeo? So pissed off he drove like a maniac and flipped his horse trailer with his horse in it. Almost killed that horse, end quote. So in 2010, Patrick began dating a woman named Vanessa. She told NBC's Dateline, quote, I was attracted to his sharp wit, and he had a very explorative mind. He contemplated everything, and he was excellent at reading people, end quote. After four months of dating, she said that Patrick began playing mind games with her. Vanessa said, quote, he began not calling me for days and then calling me in the middle of the night, telling me that he had visions of me in a wedding dress. And we'd talk and argue for hours. And we'd end up winding right back into each other. End quote. And for about a year, she described him as being very emotionally abusive. At some points, he would talk to her as if he nearly worshipped her. And then the next, he would psychologically tear her apart. But when times were good, they were really good, and she didn't want to walk away. 
Vanessa said that she was aware of how popular Patrick was within his line of work being a rancher and a farrier, but in private, she witnessed him abusing his own dogs. And then finally, after four years of dating, she sort of stumbled upon the criteria or symptoms that might indicate someone was a psychopath. Now, we've gone through this many times, but basically, signs of someone having antisocial personality disorder and what most people call psychopathic, these signs include socially irresponsible behavior, disregarding or violating the rights of others, inability to distinguish between right and wrong, difficulty with showing remorse or empathy, tendency to lie often, manipulative, general disregard towards safety, and the list goes on. Side note, this doesn't mean that he was clinically psychopathic, but rather that she felt, based on her experience with him, that he fit the signs and symptoms. In fact, Vanessa actually said, quote, he fit the bill to a T, and that's when I left him. He's a very, very complicated individual. He's very, very smart. And like I said, he can read people really well. And he knew how to press people's buttons. He had no empathy for life. He is a monster. End quote. She ended their relationship in 2014. Now, during this time and the years since Crystal had gotten married, the duo had kept in sporadic contact via Facebook Messenger. In 2015, Crystal stated that her marriage was crumbling and she and Patrick then started speaking on the phone. She had already planned a trip to Colorado in the near future. She had family there, so after the phone call and her trip, they met up and sort of began to pick up where they left off. Crystal stated, quote, It was like nothing had changed. It was, say, that giddy feeling, end quote. She actually said that Patrick begged her to get her divorce and move to Colorado so that they could be together and start a family, but she had had two children with her husband and didn't want to leave them behind in Idaho. Then in early 2016, Crystal discovered she was pregnant with Patrick's child. She sent a photo of the positive pregnancy test to him, but he did not respond. So she called him, and his response to her was, Quote, I guess you're a baby killer or you're not, end quote. Now, this cold response actually upset her greatly, and she went and terminated the pregnancy. However, she did get divorced. But how did he so quickly go from begging her to come back to him and into his life to, well, giving her the cold shoulder? Well, my friends, that's because he had met another woman, 26-year-old Kelsey Barrett. It is documented that Patrick and Kelsey met on an online dating site two months prior to Crystal finding out she was pregnant. Hmm? So let's learn a bit about Kelsey's background. Kelsey Barreth was born on September 15, 1989, and was originally from Moses Lake, Washington. She grew up on a farm with a brother named Clinton. Now, she and her brother were described as having a close relationship. Kelsey was described as sweet and quiet, shy, but incredibly determined and wanted to grow up to be a pilot. In fact, her mother had said that she actually wanted to grow up to be a crop duster. 
She was highly intelligent and singularly focused on her future. She was also described as quite religious and had gone to the same church all of her life. People that had gone to church with her all agreed that everyone loved Kelsey and she had been a very lovely girl all through her childhood. Once she finished high school, Kelsey went to a pilot school in Washington State. A month after Kelsey met Patrick online, they met face-to-face for the first time. Kelsey was completely won over by his charms and good looks. She told her mother that he was a country boy and that she really liked him. And indeed, it must have been a very successful meeting because after that, things moved at nearly breakneck speed. Next thing her mother knew, Kelsey and her parents were loading up a moving trailer with everything she owned, and she departed for Colorado, where she moved into a studio apartment that Patrick had set up for her to live in. Now, sources vary, but it was mentioned that Patrick was in Washington with her to help her through the drive to Colorado, but I can't verify that. But the night that they arrived in Florissant, due to the late time and whatnot, Kelsey spent the night in the ranch home. Kelsey would later tell her mother that Sheila, Patrick's mother, called her a hooker the next morning. This is something that would obviously stick with Kelsey, and while she forgave Sheila, she never forgot it. And I wouldn't have even forgiven her. And let's not forget that Patrick was 28 years old at this time and still living with his mother. As far as I found, he never moved out of his mother's house. His parents had divorced. It is speculated that Patrick really didn't make a lot of his own money, and due to falling cattle prices, which is a legit thing, his financial situation was mm, lagging a bit. But also keep in mind that Kelsey didn't have a job and was completely new to the area when she first moved there. She first started working in a coffee shop in Florissant, and Kelsey didn't move to the ranch with Patrick either. She actually purchased a condo in Woodland Park, which was about a 20-minute drive from Patrick's ranch. She then got another job flying, and she commuted to her job in Grand Junction. There, she worked as a flight instructor at Falcon Air Force Base. She then took a position as a flight instructor at DOS Aviation in Pueblo, an hour drive from her condo, one way. But she loved her job. It was stated by her boss that she was, quote, incredibly diligent in taking her time, making sure that what is a thorough process was completed correct. I'm referring to grade sheet requirements, flight requirements, and it seemed like it was something as stressful as it was, and it's meant to be stressful, that it was handled well, end quote. She was actually highly regarded in her field by people that flew with her. She was described as cheerful, both in person and through text. So she and Patrick became engaged, and in February of 2017, Kelsey discovered that she was pregnant, and yet they didn't move in together. In October of 2017, they had their daughter, Kaylee. At this point, they were still living apart. It was stated that they had been looking for a house together, but things just kept getting in the way of them cohabitating, if you will. But to everyone Kelsey was close with, and a few people that knew Patrick that had met Kelsey 
all stated they seemed to be happy, in love, and able to work through normal relationship woes. Now, Crystal had found out about Patrick and Kelsey's engagement and their daughter from a mutual friend, and she was shocked. At some point, they spoke again, and Crystal told Patrick that she knew about his engagement and about his child. Patrick immediately began telling her that Kelsey was abusive to the baby and that he had tried to get child protective services involved, but they had, quote, refused to step in, end quote. It was also said that he never really much came to visit Kelsey and Kaylee in the condo, and it was proving difficult for Kelsey to try to balance being basically a single mother, having to drive the long distance she did to her job, and maintain her relationship with Patrick. Kelsey never indicated to anyone that Patrick was physically abusive, but it did seem fairly obvious to the people who loved her that he was breaking her down. He was breaking her spirit. Kelsey did mention to a friend that she feared Patrick might be seeing another woman, but wouldn't let it get to her because she knew the other woman lived far away. Now, this other woman was quite obviously Crystal. Now, at this time, Patrick began to talk really badly about Kelsey to anyone who would listen. He told people that she was an unfit mother and that he was trying to get full custody of Kaylee, that Kelsey was bipolar and that she had been in a drug rehab facility. In April of 2018, Patrick was working with a man that he had grown up with, moving bulls to another ranch. The man asked Patrick how life was going, and Patrick said, quote, I figured out a way to kill her, end quote. The man said, don't even talk about things like that. Get that shit out of your head. The man said Patrick just grinned and said, quote, no body, no crime, right? The man was taken aback and told him to quit thinking about things like that. This same man later testified that he had met Kelsey when Patrick brought her to work with him to work cabs one day and that she seemed very nice, but it was clear that she was inexperienced. He stated, quote, he berated her horribly. He yelled at her, cussed at her just terribly, end quote. Patrick also later told this man that he was having people spy on Kelsey because he was going to take her to court to get full custody of their baby girl. It was also during this summer in 2018 that Patrick was telling Crystal that he needed her to help him, quote, take care of the problem, end quote, and he was referring to Kelsey, obviously. Crystal later testified that she knew he meant he wanted her killed. On three separate occasions, and keep in mind, he had completely convinced her that Kelsey was this horribly abusive and neglective parent. According to Crystal, anyway, she made it as far as bringing a weapon with her and driving to Kelsey's house, but she could not go through with murdering her. She actually was told and attempted three times to murder Kelsey, and she backed out. When she told Patrick that she could not go through with it, he became livid. In October of 2018, Kelsey received a call from a lawyer representing Patrick's sister, wanting Kelsey to feed the lawyer negative information about Patrick. Patrick's father had died recently, and there was some inside fighting about who would inherit what. On November 21st, 
2018. Patrick had asked Kelsey to come to his ranch with him to help him, you know, administer medication to some of his cattle, and she agreed. In fact, she stayed and helped work the cattle until 4 a.m. the next morning. But when they were on their way in from the fields, Patrick indicated that he didn't feel well at all. So once they got back to Patrick's house, Kelsey made a run to the local store and picked up some medicine that she thought might help him feel better. She then made the drive back to her place. Around 9 a.m. on November 22nd, so only five hours later, Kelsey and her mother spoke on the phone about Thanksgiving plans and how she was going to make dinner for herself, one-year-old Kaylee, and Patrick, specifically making him his favorite sweet potato pie. The call ended with no indication that anything was other than normal. Around noon, just a few hours later, Kelsey was last seen in her local grocery store with her daughter on Thanksgiving Day via security camera footage. She then left the store with her baby to put her purchases into her truck. Around 12.30, Patrick called Kelsey, but she didn't answer, indicating that she was most likely driving, but a couple of minutes later, she phoned him back. Sources say the cell tower that noted both phones indicated that he was driving to Kelsey's condo as she was arriving home from the store. At 12.45, security cameras were able to pick up Patrick's truck leaving the area of Kelsey's condo. Now, Patrick stated that he had gone to Kelsey's home to pick up Kaylee to take her back to the ranch and spend some time with her leaving Kelsey home alone. Bank security footage showed Patrick at his bank a couple of minutes later where he made some deposits and apparently one withdrawal, then asked an employee if his baby could be seen on the camera. I'm making an assumption he was at the drive through window of the bank to which the employee told him, yes, Kaylee was visible. But what was also visible was a big black tote just hanging out in the back of the truck. And that big black tote just mysteriously was in a different position at 4.30 p.m., caught by even more security surveillance cameras because they're everywhere. Now, around 1.25 p.m., one of Kelsey's neighbor's cameras picked up what appeared to be Patrick going into her condo yet again and then leaving two hours later. It was also determined that Patrick and Kelsey's cell phones were pinging off of the same cell tower. While he's driving away, he called his mother and then called Crystal on his way home to the ranch. And interestingly enough, Kelsey's phone was also headed in the direction of the ranch. The two cell phones would ping off of the exact same cell towers for two days. So Patrick's brother, Sean, who was a Colorado Springs police officer, later said that Patrick had actually missed their family Thanksgiving dinner and had shown up around 5 p.m. Thanksgiving Day with his daughter. So fast forward about 10 days into December. Kelsey's mother began to get very worried about her daughter because she had not heard from her since Thanksgiving morning. She called the police station local to Kelsey and asked if they would go to her condo and do a welfare check on her. That it was very strange that Kelsey would not have been in touch this long. They gained entry into her home and saw there were no obvious signs of a struggle. Everything seemed to be where it ought to be, but she was most certainly not there. 
But they went ahead and listed her as a missing person, and they suspected no foul play. Then the authorities took the obvious next step and began speaking with Patrick, who told them the day before Thanksgiving that they had spoken, and Kelsey told him that she wanted to end their engagement, that their relationship wasn't working anymore, and that they would split custody of their daughter 50-50, and they'd go their separate ways. He told police that he had gone to her house to pick the baby up the next day on Thanksgiving, and he brought with him a few items that he had had that belonged to her. The police did note that he didn't seem at all interested in where she was. Now, one of the items that he supposedly brought back was a gun that belonged to Kelsey that he told the police he had taken from her because she had been depressed and he thought that she might be having bad thought, which every acquaintance she had completely disagreed with. Police also spoke with her employer, who stated that she had sent a text to her boss saying she was going to take a week off of work, so they had not suspected anything otherwise. Police then looked into Kelsey's phone records and saw that on November 25th, she had sent Patrick a text during the window where she had been missing, but her phone had been clear over in Idaho. Curious. And, to be noted, Patrick never reported the mother of his child missing during any of that time either. So, police relay this information to Kelsey's mother, and the next day, December 3rd, her mother and brother flew from Washington to Colorado and went to the condo to find answers. They were able to get in and immediately felt something was off. First of all, it was very warm inside of the condo, warmer than Kelsey would have ever kept it. They found cinnamon rolls that she had baked Thanksgiving Day, still sitting on the counter that were, at this point, rock solid. There was a rug or a mat in her bathroom that they knew she kept there, but it was missing. The fridge seemed to have streaks all on it as if it had been very recently wiped down. And then her brother discovered what he thought were blood droplets at the base of the toilet in her bathroom. They then found a few more drops elsewhere and immediately called the police. The detectives returned with help and they used our true crime favorite, Luminol, and that's when they found large amounts of blood in many places in the condo. Blood spatter, Dexter, would have had a field day. On December 5th, Patrick went to his bank and asked the bank manager to give him the surveillance images of him being in the drive-thru on Thanksgiving so that he could prove his whereabouts on that day. The manager stated he was highly agitated and, quote, there was never any mention of Kelsey or concern about her whereabouts or welfare, end quote. On December 11th, Patrick showed up at a Woodland Park Verizon store asking if there was a way for him to change the pin on a phone that he didn't actually have on him. He also asked the employee if someone could get information off of a phone that had been destroyed. The employee immediately became alarmed. On December 18th, the FBI began to search Patrick's property using backhoes to dig in sites they found pertinent to the investigation. They had aerial photos of a burned area on the property, black melted down material in the soil. Upon inspection, it was obvious there was black melted plastic on the ground. Sifting through the burnt ground produced a partial adult tooth, but didn't specifically connect it to Kelsey. 
Canine dogs were brought in that hit on the area indicating human remains had been there and also in Kelsey's home. So on December 20th, Patrick went to a farm where he was doing some shoeing for a woman's horses and she began discussing Kelsey being missing, stating that she believed Kelsey would come back. She later testified that he replied with, quote, oh, she's never coming back, end quote. This same witness stated that before Kelsey's disappearance, he had told her that he wished Kelsey was gone so he could raise Kaylee with someone else. Also on this day, Patrick spoke with another work associate that he was rather shocked that Kelsey's disappearance had gained so much national attention so quickly. He specifically told the man, quote, Man, if I had known it was going to blow up this big, I never would have, end quote. He didn't finish the sentence. And yet again, he said to another acquaintance that if Kelsey wanted to end herself, she could go out to Pike National Forest to do it and no one would ever find her. On December 21st, Patrick Frazee was arrested on suspicion of the murder of Kelsey as well as solicitation of murder. That same day, the police arrested Crystal and took her to the ranch to show them the property and what she knew. They also took her to Kelsey's apartment. So what was Crystal's role in all of this? Well, first off, between November 25th and December 4th, Patrick had called her phone nearly 50 times. Not one call to Kelsey's phone, though. On that Thanksgiving day, he called Crystal specifically requesting her drive down from Idaho because she, quote, had a mess to clean up, end quote. So she told him she couldn't come immediately. Two days later, Crystal packed cleaning supplies in her car along with bleach, hairnets, gloves, trash bags, what have you. But Crystal insisted she hadn't actually thought Patrick had murdered Kelsey until she arrived at the condo and there she saw blood splatter on the walls, the wood floors, soaked into pillows and a few of the baby's stuffed animals just all over. But the body was not there. Keep in mind, this is two days later and supposedly, allegedly, the body was still in that big black tote. Crystal later testified that Patrick told her that he had decided to play a game with Kelsey when he had showed up at her house to pick up Kaylee for Thanksgiving. He asked her to cover her eyes with a sweater so that she could do a sniff test of some candles to see if she could guess what they were. She played along and that's when Patrick said he began to hit her in the head with a baseball bat. He told her that Kelsey's last words were, quote, Please stop, end quote, as he kept hitting her until she was gone. He also told her Kaylee had been in another room and he, quote, went to swinging, end quote. Patrick then told her that he had put Kelsey's body in the black tote container in the back of the truck to dispose of. So rather than calling the police, Crystal cleaned the crime scene. What she couldn't clean, such as couch pillows, a few of the babies, stuffed animals, and so on, she put into trash bags. Six trash bags, to be precise. But she told the police that she was scared Patrick might harm one of her children, so she secretly left some small drops of blood for the authorities to find. Of course, I will leave that to my lovely murder family to decide whether that's true or not. But then, allegedly, 
After four hours of cleaning, she went to the fast food place, Sonic, and got herself a burger. After, she and Patrick went back to his ranch, where she watched him burn that black tote, though she allegedly never saw what was inside by pouring gasoline all over it. Crystal apparently also helped gather wood to help the fire burn hotter. I also found that Patrick was behind on a loan payment and had also been ordered to pay Kelsey $700 a month in child support. And let's remember, he didn't have a lot of money. He also had been listed on Kelsey's life insurance policy, though apparently the company was sold just before her disappearance and she hadn't enrolled in the new life insurance program yet. So that's interesting. Crystal was charged with tampering with evidence, and she struck a plea deal to testify against Patrick. Patrick was charged with two counts of murder and three counts of solicitation to commit murder. He pleaded not guilty. Ultimately, Crystal was given a three-year sentence, but it was reduced, and she is currently out. Patrick was convicted of Kelsey's murder and sentenced to life without parole, plus another 156 years. He still says he's innocent. Kaylee is now being raised by Kelsey's mother in Washington. Thank God. So guys, what do you think? I feel he is most certainly guilty, but that's my opinion. I also think that Crystal got off very easy, considering she willingly cleaned up the crime scene, wasn't bothered enough that she could eat a burger immediately after, I might add, and then lied to the police at first to try to cover for Patrick. But that's just my opinion. Either way, what a horrible way to go. And side note, what idiot in this day and age thinks that they aren't going to be seen on security cameras everywhere or that cell phone records don't keep a very detailed log of everywhere you are and everything you do on it? What a moron. Of course, sympathies to Kelsey's family and to little Kaylee, who now has to grow up without her mother because her father is a selfish pig. If you'd like, you can leave a comment on the video below or you can DM me on Instagram at serial underscore killing. You can email me at serialkillinginstagram at gmail.com. And as always, thank you so much for listening because I know you could be listening to anyone else, but you chose me. And I'm so humbled by that. I really appreciate you. Have a great day.